Welcome to episode one of the Pulling Up From 40 podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Shapiro. Colin Stanley. And we are launching a podcast centered around the game of basketball because we are two huge basketball fans. And uh, just to give you a little background about ourselves, we actually were podcasting before your favorite podcast hosts. I promise you that. Um, (laughs) We were literally podcasting in 2010 and had like this funny setup where we would just literally call each other and there's this website to call blog talk radio where it would get recorded and uh we did a lot of the same things that we want to do now we're talking about nba we had guests on the show um you know we're still trying to figure out exactly the direction to show what's our niche but uh, we're primarily going to talk a lot of nba basketball we may talk some college basketball really it's going to depend on the host that we can get um we have some fun hosts planned already for the show, which I'm pretty excited about. And um, yeah, so let's kind of introduce ourselves. Colin, why don't you go first? Thanks, man. Um, so yeah, Colin Stanley, uh, originally from the Boston area. As you can see, I'm wearing our currently shamed franchise t-shirt. Uh, so like I said, from the Boston area, um, been living, so we're recording here outside of, uh, or really in downtown Chicago, um, where I've been living for, uh, well, both of us have been living for him six years, me five years. Um, and uh, yeah, like Lucas said, um, you know, we're both just really huge hoop fans. We're excited to, you know, bring kind of our own personal commentary and our connections um, in the basketball world to, uh, you know, really just, you know, keep building on on great conversations and, you know, talking, like Lucas said, you know, NBA hoops, college hoops, all of that. Um, from a basketball perspective myself, you know, really the, the two of us, really our friendship started as basketball teammates. You know, we met back in third, fourth grade. Um, our dads were actually coaching us, um, our, our travel basketball basketball team um, back in fourth grade and has really always kind of been the center of, uh, of our friendship um, and has continued to do so um, through almost, you know, 20-ish years of, of, uh, of friendship. And, uh, you know, we played from fourth grade all the way through high school together. Um, for myself, uh, I played at the club level um, in college at Iona um, out in uh, New Rochelle, New York. <clears throat> you know, had a great opportunity to, you know, play really competitive basketball in the, in the tri-state area. Um, you know, not at that D1 level. You know, they were not, uh, they weren't looking for a undersized 6'2 power forward such <laughs> as myself. So, uh, so played at the club level, but, you know, it was really great having the opportunity to, you know, go up against schools like St. John's, uh, UMass Amherst, um, URI, uh, you know, really big regional schools in the Northeast. Um, and, you know, have, you know, continue to be just a massive basketball fan um, throughout uh, throughout life. So to that extent, um, really just wanted to first and foremost say thank you to, you know, all of you guys who are who are viewing, whether it be on YouTube or Spotify, Apple Music, what have you. Uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in. You know, please feel free to like, comment, subscribe, um, you know, any suggestions, recommendations, um, feedback on, you know, our show. Uh, is you know greatly appreciated you know as lucas mentioned we are uh you know we're still trying to figure out you know how this is really going to operate long term but 
at the end of the day, this is something that we're both passionate about and, you know, we'll continue to work towards, um, towards, you know, bringing you guys quality content. So I'll leave it at that and toss it over to my guy here. Yep. So Lucas Shapiro, we're both from Milton, Massachusetts and, uh, yeah, grew up playing basketball, love it my whole life, uh, really started to realize when I was playing high school basketball that I wanted to stay around the game for my entire life. And while I was playing, started getting involved in like the high school basketball scene, AU scene, uh, writing about it in high school, uh, on the side of also playing and, uh, went to University of Missouri, became a student manager there, worked there for four years. Then after graduating from Missouri, went to DePaul University to work for their men's team as a graduate assistant. And then uh, after two years there, we went on to be a video coordinator for three years. And really just working in college basketball for nine years was an awesome experience. I saw so many one great players uh, got to work with players like Jordan Clarkson on the Jazz, Max Struess on the Heat, Paul Reed on the Sixers, and uh, a handful of other pros. And you know, just learn how the basketball industry works and how uh, there's just a lot that your average person who doesn't get that experience doesn't know. So hopefully a lot of that uh, will translate into how we cover basketball and talk about it on the show. Um, also the past year was coaching at the high school level in the Chicago area. So I've been really lucky. I've got, I've gotten to see a lot of good ball and, uh, just think that I continue want to want to do that as I'm not coaching anymore, but, uh, want to do stuff like this around basketball, social media, podcasting. So, um, and, to, and to just quickly add. You know, so this guy, he, I mean, he, uh, you know, you alluded to the fact that you started this kind of like basketball journey when we were in high school and uh, being like front and center to his kind of development in that area. Like I was able to, by proxy of being, you know, close with this guy, I was able to see a lot of really good basketball at a young age, too. I mean, there was a lot of really high level talent in the Massachusetts and New England area when we were growing up in, uh, you know, early, you know, 2010 area. Um I mean, I remember driving out to random tournaments to go see Andre Drummond, Chris <laughs> Dunn playing for was a Connecticut basketball club yeah. um, back in the day. Uh, Caleb Tarzuski, Nick Stauskas, Nerlens Noel, Wayne Selvin, you know, tons of just like high, high level talent that, you know, we were both kind of introduced to as uh, as, as young kids. And, um, you know, like like we said, you know, this has kind of just been our passion for, for a really long time. And, you know, for myself, definitely been you know grateful to have um you know, a guy like Lucas to, you know, kind of help bring me along in that space too and, you know, help develop my own knowledge and, and more and passion for the game. So, you know, won't uh won't overextend it, but you know, just really excited to get this kicked off. For sure. And uh, just to add one more thing before we get into covering the Eastern Conference on this episode. Uh, yeah, no, Collins was like my right hand man. Like anytime I ever hear like any type of rumor or, or something going on in college basketball, I always hit this dude and be like, yo, <laughs> some shit about to go down. <laughs> what the hell's going on? You made your joke around. Like, this is like my confidant right here. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, no, I mean, we just have had so many great basketball conversations over the years that I'm like, damn, why don't we just record them and exactly. put them on the internet and see what happens, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I think. 
why don't we just jump into the episode because uh, there's a lot to talk about in the Eastern Conference right now. <laughs> um, so just to give you some context, we're recording this on September 24th, 2022. Uh, if anything happens, you know, we're hoping that this gets released on Monday. Uh, but if anything happens in the meantime, just take that into account when you're listening to this episode. So um, one of the first things we want to talk about in the Eastern Conference was the offseason because, we, you know, we feel that basketball has not been really talked about a lot this summer right because it's been uh kevin durant kyrie irving drama it's been robert sarver drama it's been now Ime yudoka drama and um i don't feel like the league has gotten the coverage it's deserved for some of the moves or some of the basketball stuff that's happened mm-hmm. right so uh not as we- many not as many big names getting moved around compared to other summers i think so it's kind of gotten lost uh just in the broader sense of like we've just been focusing on right like just the kind of the life around the nba versus like actual talking about basketball so right to that exact point yeah i mean i just feel like you know i haven't really looked at it on paper over the last summers like comparing uh free agent moves or trades to other summers but this is the first summer where i'm feeling like there's not like this new super team that's came out and um, like there was major moves. Like it's been kind of pretty more subtle moves that, you know, I feel like the NBA is very divided right now. Like this teams, I feel like more teams than ever that feel like they can contend, but then there's also a lot of teams that are really trying to lose. So um, <laughs> Tank, <tanking laughs> Victor Wemba. Yeah, drama. exactly. So, um, he went off yesterday yesterday too oh did he yeah, yeah he so like it was like 23 10 and 3 or something in his first uh first league game in, in france this this season yeah i'm not God, the kids are freak not surprised yeah. um yeah we'll get we'll get to him at some point True. but um colin what do you think were let's talk about our three best off-season moves in the eastern conference i'm i'm curious what your three are yeah so i think Probably the biggest move across the NBA this this offseason, I think, has to be Donovan Mitchell going to the Cavs. Um, I think he immediately elevates them just from a perspective of having a go-to 25, 30-point score every single night, right? Um, I think the biggest question um, really comes uh, on the defensive end. I think a lot of people have brought that up about just how him and Darius Garland are going to be able to handle um, you know, some of these bigger guard tandems um across the nba but they also have probably arguably the best back line in the nba behind them right with evan mobley um jared allen you know kevin love coming off the bench um you know they've got a really good overall team defense but i think that donovan mitchell is going to elevate them to to a different level on the offensive end of the floor so i think that that's really a big move um I'm going to show my my homerism right now. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics is, is a huge move. I mean, anybody that watched that final series uh, against the Warriors um, knows that they need an additional 17 to 20 point score per night. And Malcolm Brogdon is definitely that guy. Um, whether or not he stays healthy is the biggest question, right? We're already not expecting him to be ready for the start of the season. Um, 
but you know if he can stay healthy give them 60 just you know 60 ish games in the regular season and then healthy for the playoffs um i don't see why that'll make why that won't make them a more competitive team down the stretch um you know again just a guy that can create you know baskets um you know in isolation um you know develop for others uh, i think it'll just be an, an important piece for them you know going forward and then third um got to be Dejounte murray um for the hawks right and i think that this is honestly more important for trey young's development in the sense that trey will now be able to take more of a steph curry-esque role of being off the ball more um you know trey is what i mean he's been in the league for about three years at this point and he's handling the ball damn near every single possession and, and rightfully so but now that you have another all-star caliber guy um, who can, you know, manage that offense, you know, I think that Atlanta can do a lot with Trey Young, you know, running off of screens, you know, getting better open looks, um, but still being able to be a, you know, elite pick and roll offensive player. Um, and then Deshante being, you know, six five, really rangy guard um, who can defend basically one through three to to a certain degree. I think will help them a lot as well. You know, whether or not that team really gets elevated, I think is still in question because I don't frankly really believe in the rest of that roster, to be perfectly honest with you. But I think that he'll definitely, you know, elevate them from you know, playing game status to maybe slightly above um, for the next year. So those are my three uh, biggest moves in the Eastern Conference this past uh, past summer. Got you. So I I don't know if I'm as high on the DeJounte Murray move mm-hmm. as a lot of people because I think there's a question of can two ball-dominant point guards play together. Mm-hmm. I definitely see that Trey Young obviously has to be able to play a little bit more off the ball because he was pretty – worn down last season like yeah. they, he had an incredibly high usage and um i you know he can't just run the show by himself so obviously yeah. this is a move that makes them better but for me i actually in that number three spot i i chose i liked what philly did mm. and it's not necessarily one move but it, uh the combination of pj tucker d'anthony melton and daniel house and montrez harrell to me, I thought for me that was my number three spot because they really just beefed up their roster Absolutely. and made it so that I, they kind of uh, bolstered themselves. Like you mm-hmm. have more defense, you have more athleticism, you have some shooting, and I don't necessarily know how those guys will do, but I know one thing: it's going to make it easier for James Harden. It's going to make it easier for Joel and be to maybe rest a little bit during the regular season 100%. and so i think that actually though the combination of those four moves to me i like better than what atlanta did because i still feel like atlanta's got a little bit of a depth issue right like we're, we're talking about the rest of that roster like i just not sure like defensively like are they going like last season they were like pretty like abysmal defensively and so oh, yeah. like if you're changing just one guard and DeJounte Murray, great defender, like yeah. I, that they're going to get better defensively, but you I, just don't I, know how much they get elevated as a whole. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I also wonder like a guy like Trey Young, 
I, I just have always felt like a he guy like him could be really targeted, and that's going to be less the case. But I feel like maybe we got to look at some of these other guys. Like is uh, DeAndre Hunter? He's advertised as a great defender, but yeah. you know, is he? Can he be that lockdown defender for them? What What is John Collins bringing to the table defensively? And uh, can a guy like Clint Capella and the way the games are being played now? Um, is he going to be a reliable five in the playoffs defensively? Right. Yeah, those are big questions, and I don't know. I, personally, I just don't think that John Collins or Clint Capella is a solid like number three, right, for a real contending team. I don't think anyone looks at Atlanta as a real, real contender. But again, kind of to your point, just like you know, how elevated do they really get? Dejounte Murray, obviously talented, all star level, all star level guy, um, but wouldn't be surprised if they finish out next season similar to where they were this this past season, kind of right. in that, that play in status. Right. And then in terms of the other two moves, I mean, obviously, Malcolm Brogdon and Donovan Mitchell were th- the top moves in the East. Um, but for me, I actually got Malcolm Brogdon as the number one move because more so, I, you know, I'm not saying that I think Malcolm Brogdon is better than Donovan Mitchell. But what I'm saying is I think he is literally like the perfect player. Like I could I couldn't have even imagined a more perfect move like going into this offseason like we were talking talking about like people who because you know we're Celtics fans so we were talking about people who we wanted on the team I, I don't even know if he like came up you know what I mean but like no um he's just perfect because he's a point guard he can defend he can shoot and that was in if you watch the finals or if you watch the Celtics at all last season you know they just needed like one more guy like that to plug into their top tier defense and I really just think that fit for me makes makes it the best move obviously I agree like I don't know about his health and and then in terms of Donovan Mitchell like I love the move right but there were some people that were talking about something that I'd never even considered but like Colin Sexton versus Donovan Mitchell. Now, I'm not saying they're the same level player. Donovan Mitchell, I obviously got a tremendous amount of respect for him. But are you really upgrading that spot that much uh, for what they gave up? And uh, the question of whether those two guys can defend is a real one. Now, I agree that no other team I could look at and be like, oh, I'm worried about them defensively when they, you've got a front line like Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley. I, I think they can make up for it uh, a little more, unlike a team like Atlanta. So, um, so that that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Now, what what were you thinking? Like, what do you think's like the most underrated move in the East? Kind of addressing what you were talking about previously with the Sixers, I think the Sixers as a whole had a very underrated just offseason in terms of like really rounding out their bench. Um, I think just especially in this like Golden State dynasty era, I think you just see the importance of having a legitimate nine to ten guys who you can really go to at, at any given point, right? Just so that you're never never in lack of shooting or defense or like whatever it is, but really just rounding out that that offense or rounding out that roster past that seventh or eighth spot. Um, but I think PJ Tucker was probably the one that flew under the radar the most in terms of in terms of moves. Um, I mean, he's 
one, he's just like that kind of perfect glue guy, right? He doesn't need to be a primary scorer, but he can be, you know, he can guard your best, um, your best offensive player. He's a great knockdown three-point shooter. I think he just brings a different level of um, toughness and kind of culture to that to that team that I think is needed. Um, so I think that that was a really underrated move. And then kind of secondary, I think, is uh, Joe Ingles to the Bucks. I think that that was a really, you know, kind of under-the-radar move, one where people aren't really talking about him because he tore his ACL last year. You know, he wasn't really involved in Utah towards the, towards the latter half of the season. I don't know what his health status is in terms of coming back in next year, but I think a similar scenario to Brogdon, like if you can get 50 to 60 games out of him in the regular season plus a healthy playoff run, like – you know, he fits just modern NBA so well, just being like that point forward guy, you know, six eight, really good passer, knockdown shooter. You can even throw him in the pick and roll every now and again. You know, he probably won't be starting on that team, but he will be a very solid, you know, sixth, seventh man um, for that team. So I have really high expectations for, for the Bucks this upcoming year. Um, and I think that Joe Ingles like plays really well into their overall development. Yeah, Joe Ingles. So I think his health status is like he's going to be able to join the team like halfway through the year. So, um, awesome. which, break. but it is still absolutely matters because he should be ready for them in, in playoff time. So I agree. That's like a huge move that nobody is talking about, right? No, not at all. And I'm just imagining like a lineup of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Joe Ingles, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. Like, uh, yeah, I, I like I never really think of I don't know why, but I never really think of the the Bucks as like a team that scares me like offensively. Mm. I'm more scared of what they can do defensively because you got three guys like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Locked even Brook Lopez is pretty underrated Solid. as a defender. Um, uh, now to add like another guy that can create out of ball screens, create his own shot. He can shoot. Um, it gives you if you're a team that's got somebody that's a weak spot defensively, uh, you're gonna have a hard time guarding that team. Yeah. Um. Uh, but in terms of my underrated moves, you know, I originally was gonna say um either the Royce O'Neal to the Brooklyn Nets slash TJ Warren to the mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets because I like those moves. One, because the Nets get a, a more experienced lockdown defender. At some points in the year, last year, Bruce Brown and Kessler Edwards were kind of like their guys. But yep. now you get a guy, I think, that's like a stud defensively. Mm-hmm. And then you also get a guy that was just going Bucket. absolutely bananas in the bubble, right? Um, but that actually is not... Not my top move anymore because uh, just recently the the Bogdanovich to Detroit move mm. I thought which got I feel totally lost in all of the NBA media buzz about Udoka because it happened around the same time yeah. I think that's to me the most underrated move right now because when I was writing my preview for the Eastern Conference one of the things that I said about Detroit is that I still feel like they're pretty easy to uh, if like if you take Kid Cunningham out the game I feel like they're pretty easy to guard still. Like, if you look yeah. up and down their roster, you know, we, we don't know what we're getting out of Jaden Ivey. Uh, he could be good. He could, You know, I think he's a good fit for them. Um, going to need some time to develop. Yeah. Sadiq Bey is uh, obviously going to be a player Solid. to have to worry about for other teams. Uh, but I was just saying, like, it, now that you got a, another offensive threat alongside Sadiq Bey, 
now I'm looking at them like, oh, okay, like they're going to be able to play in space a little more than yeah. I thought. And for somebody with the playmaking skills that uh, Cade Cunningham has, I think that's going to really unlock some things for him. And I kind of wanted to move them up from my original preview of the 16 teams and where I had them, but I'm still, I still think they're on the outside looking in, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the play in like, like I wouldn't be surprised at all. They're, they're going to be super competitive this year. Um, I mean, they were, they were relatively competitive last year, you know, and Kate Cunningham had a very, I think underrated rookie season last year. Um, I have high expectations for Jaden Ivey. I know that he's definitely going to need some time to develop, but um, I think he will fit very well alongside uh, Cade Cunningham. You know, really athletic. Could definitely play both sides of the floor. His shot definitely needs a little bit of work from a development perspective, but um, no, I, I agree with you. I think the Bogdanovich one was kind of lost uh, lost in the media shuffle of the past couple of days, but will definitely be an important move for them going forward. For sure. Um, any other thoughts on offseason moves, or should, should we move on to talking about the rookies of the Eastern Conference? Yeah, let's move on to the rookies. Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you go first? Cool. Um, yeah. So my top three. I'll go in reverse order here. So I have a tie for three. So I have Jaden Ivy um, and uh, and Mark Williams to the Hornets. I think that a lot of people sleep on Mark Williams. Like he is a. He's also a big dude. Like seven two, like two forty. Um, pretty solidly athletic. Like he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of Clint Capella. You know, probably doesn't jump as high, but like a, definitely a very solid lob threat. Um, and honestly, I kind of opened my eyes to him when, uh, so I was at the Final Four in uh, in New Orleans back in April, and I saw that Duke-UNC game, and, you know, had watched Duke, you know, pretty consistently throughout the throughout the year, but he's, um, he's really solid, and I think that he's got a, a nice opening in that Hornets roster, right? They're... They are log jammed at that power forward spot. They've got like seems like they've got like seven guys that might be able to get minutes, but um, but that center position is a little bit is a little bit thin um, behind uh, Mason Plumley. So I think that he's going to get a lot more minutes than people would anticipate. Um, I think he's a really good defender, a lot more rangy than I think people give him credit for. Um, so I'm excited to see how how he develops, and you know tends to be classic like late lottery pick where you're not fully sure where where he's going to land but i i I personally have had pretty high expectations for him you know we just talked about Jaden ivy um and uh i also have uh benedict mathorin to the to the pacers like i love that guy's game i mean he's you know watching him at arizona last year i think you know anytime you know you have big time pac 12 players that kind of get lost in like the media hype because they play on the west coast they play a little bit later um but that dude has i think everything that you need to be a very solid two guard in the nba right good shooter super athletic good playmaking skills um has the clutch gene, hit a lot of big shots for Arizona late in, late in that season last year. And I think that he's, you know, he, he's in line to take that shooting guard spot because I, who knows where Buddy Heald ends up, but I don't foresee him being in Indiana through the end of this this current season. So I think him and Tyrese Halliburton are going to have the opportunity to really develop together as a pretty solid backcourt. So I have high expectations for Benedict. And uh, and lastly, my top rookie, got to go with the number one pick, Paolo Banchero. Um, similarly, you know, again, saw him live at the Final Four this past uh, this past April. Um, 
the guy's talented, man. And I think the Carmelo Anthony kind of comparison is like really spot on in terms of just like what he can do. And I think, frankly, during a lot of his college stint at Duke, he was honestly a little bit more passive than I think that than he should have been right i think there were a lot of moments especially in that final four game and he still had a really good game you know he was definitely over about 20 points 10 rebounds whatever it was but a lot of moments where he was kind of deferring to to other people to go get a bucket you know the guy's just got a lot of talent he can put it on the floor he's six ten. you know well-sized guy definitely you know plays a very you know uh classic you know power forward position but can stretch the floor um i have really high expectations for him i think that he's going to thrive really well i think orlando as a whole has a lot of really solid pieces around him you know i like cole anthony i like jalen suggs i like uh franz uh wagner you know i think that he's going to have a nice little core around him and they're giving him the keys right so he's going to be able to, to develop a lot this upcoming season so i have high expectations for paulo what about you though yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I got Paolo number one as well. Yeah. I think that in terms of the modern day four, if you got somebody that can play, make, score, shoot, I think you're really just dangerous at that position. Yeah. There were some concerns about him defensively and how he'll translate. I'm not sure that I'm completely like buying into that because. You know, I think the NBA game is a lot different than the college game, and I I just think that he'll be able to hold his own defensively. He's a, he's a pretty good athlete, and, uh, you know, it might just take a little bit of time to get him there. But when you have the opportunity to, to draft a guy like that, like somebody that can create at 6'10 yeah. and and shoot the ball and, and pass, like I think that's one of the things that's most underrated about him. He can really pass. Like mm-hmm. I think he averaged like around like four or five assists a game in college that's going to be huge for them absolutely Uh, because that looking at the orlando magic that was like the one thing they're missing like they actually got a lot of great pieces right but i just Mm -hmm. never really felt like they had that number one option offensively and that's why when the draft came around i was confused like people kept talking about like Jabari Smith going first yeah and I just didn't more so not that I don't like Jabari Smith but like I didn't understand the fit for the magic like Mm. they need somebody they can create like Jabari Smith that's not really what he does he can shoot he can really defend and he probably does both of those things better than Paolo but you you know how this league works is it's about the stars and and Paolo to me he's got more of like a star type of potential so I got him one. And honestly, I got a pretty similar list to you, uh, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. Uh, but just to touch on Jaden Ivey a little more, yeah, I, I probably got Benedict Mathurin too, uh, and because I think he's going to have opportunity, right? Exactly. And so, uh, and he's also just an electric player. You know, I'm going to leave it at that. You covered him pretty well. He's but I'm going to talk about Jaden Ivey a little bit because yeah. – I definitely have said this to you before. I was not high on him. I wasn't high on him coming out of the draft. Um, But when he got drafted to Detroit, because that was kind of unexpected, because nobody thought that the Kings were going to take Keegan Murray forward, Mm. 
then I was like, oh, so he's going somewhere where he doesn't have to be the point guard? Because that, that's what all these projections have been projecting him as. And, you know, I I don't I hate the comparison. I don't I don't really think he's like John Morant. Uh, I mean, aside, you know, there's there's things aesthetically about their game, like like the athleticism and, yeah. and like watching them in transition. And, you know, maybe got similar uh, bag qualities. You, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I don't know if not a lot of people know this, but Jaden Ivey's mom coached John Morant in the league. Did you know that? No, I, <laughs> she, I mean, yeah, she was an assistant for the Grizzlies, and and you know now, now she's, she's at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. yeah. Um, so wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so there there may be like some that could be some reasons why they have some similarities in their game, hmm. but. I just didn't see the playmaking that Ja has. I think Ja's playmaking is what really makes him special. And like, probably doesn't get enough credit for it. No, no, he doesn't. And that was what really caught my eye about him coming out of Murray State. And like, Jay Navi does a lot of things well. Like he he's an absolute bull in transition. Um, you know, he can he can score. And uh, I just. When I saw him, I never really felt like he's the type of dude that, like, you give him the ball and just go in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But uh, landing in Detroit, I actually thought it was a great fit because now he's got a chance to, I mean, almost have, like, a maybe Marcus Smart-like type of trajectory. Not mm-hmm. saying that he's exactly like Marcus Smart because there's some things that he does better. Um you know, but I think that he's there's not so much pressure on him to be the guy and be the guy. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great fit then because then now, uh, and I'm not sure if he's going to be the starter. I'd, I'd said before earlier in the podcast that it really probably is going to be Alec Burks to start, uh, which is also kind of an underrated move, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, dead, eye, dead eye shooter. Yeah, yeah. So. I think that, but I think he, for me, just because of the fit, I love uh, that he landed there because he's going to get a chance to kind of grow at his own rate. Yeah. And I think that's important for him. Um, what about, like, uh, was there anybody in the second round in the Eastern Conference that got drafted that you think might surprise some people? Yeah, I thought the uh, best second-round move was actually uh, another guy of Arizona, Christian Coloco, um, going to the Raptors. Uh he just, I mean, the Raptors clearly know what their identity is. It's grabbing just massive, tall dudes um, to just be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Um, I think kind of similar to to the Hornet situation, I think that they have a lot of really solid guys at that four spot, um, kind of in that like 6'9 to like 6'11 range, but like they're not really solid for like seven footers. Um so, you know, I think him, you know, Precious Achua, I think that they will be, you know, a nice, uh, nice kind of, you know, center, uh, center spot tandem. Um, and yeah, I think watching Christian last year, you know, he's, again, really athletic, uh, can, you know, not necessarily, you know, switch off on any type of guard, you know, out on the perimeter, but I think it gets a little bit, you know, not necessarily disrespected, but it doesn't get enough credit for, you know, how, how good of an athlete he is, um, you know, finishes well under the rim, you know, really good uh, lob threat opportunity um, for him as well. So I think it'll be, you know, kind of a slow drip for him in terms of getting minutes on that roster because they are deep right now. Um, but I think come all-star break late in the season, I think you'll start seeing a lot more of uh, Christian Coloco over the, over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I like that pick too because 
they're building off that identity and you're going to hear me talk about identity a lot on this podcast and i really <laughs> love what the raptors are doing and because it's different right like i hate i hate teams that just do you know they're just like putting together a team and they don't really like have any goal of what they're trying to accomplish like they know Toronto's not maybe the top free agent destination, so we got to do something different. And I respect the hell out of that. My pick is definitely a homer pick, but I'm going to explain it because I like J.D. Davison a lot after watching him in Summer League. So I think there are a lot of guys that when you watch them in college, they don't look good, in, which he didn't. Uh, he turned the ball over a lot. He didn't shoot a great. There, if you just went off his college tape, you'd probably be like, ah, I don't know about that pick. Yeah. But um, I love J.D. Davison because I think he's one of those guys that his game translates better to the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's got that athleticism. He really impressed me at, and with his floor general abilities in Summer League. Not that I'm really – I hate, like, drawing a lot of conclusions from Summer League, but – he was really good <laughs> and, and I, I just think in my experience working at missouri with a guy like jordan clarkson right he was not really like in the mock drafts like that like he was definitely projected to get drafted and you know he didn't end up going first round mm-hmm. yeah and i was telling you the whole time i'm like this dude is a pro right because he's got an nba game he's a bucket he's got the athleticism he's got the size and i'm not saying they're similar players because i don't i don't think they are but i think jd davison's the type of guy that you may not see his game in college because it's a different game right like the paint's packed more um you're, you're playing in much more structure and i think he's not as fast paced not as fast paced like he's I, and i don't know that he's really gonna he's probably not gonna make an impact this season unless um you know these guys are not healthy like we are worried that they're not going to be um but i i see down the line like him being a guy that's on an nba roster and we're looking at ourselves like why did he go 58 when it was painfully obvious like if you watched him in high school like you could see pro oh yeah you know i mean i mean elite elite athlete one and then but i think you know probably the biggest yeah so like you said he didn't have a great year at alabama and he's a unproven shooter at this point right and i think that that's probably the biggest hiccup for him you know i mean like you said when he was in high school he was a two years ago he was a lock to be a lottery pick um but i think that just kind of he kind of showed himself in terms of his offensive deficiencies but i think you know if he's thrown into the fire in the right scenario you know kind of comes in as a defender energy guy you know not required to shoot um i think that he'll definitely be you know pretty solid for the celtics but to your point wouldn't be terribly surprised if he doesn't make really any kind of impact this upcoming year but i think over the course of time um you know that athleticism and defensive capability and potential will definitely show out and uh, if he can develop any semblance of a shot don't see why he you know can't make himself a, a little name in the league Right. So why don't we jump into ranking our Eastern Conference teams? And then, oh, first party fell of the podcast. 
um, uh, why don't we jump into ranking our Eastern Conference teams? You know, we did this kind of in a vacuum. I don't know what Collins are. Uh, he doesn't know what mine are. Yep. So I'm interested to see, like, what he ranked and, and what – uh, how, where our differences are and, and how it will end up uh, manifesting itself at the end of the season. Yeah. So uh, why don't you why don't you list out your for top 15? Cool. Should we go reverse chronological? Yeah, let's go reverse. Cool. Um, reverse, reverse. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Like right? middle school dance song out there. Um, so so at 15 I got uh, I got Indiana um, they're clearly going into full rebuild mode even though they have some pretty solid pieces right now but I just don't foresee Miles Turner or Buddy Heald being on that team through the all-star break um, and I think that that's probably the biggest um, the biggest question mark for them in terms of whether they're even slightly competitive even with them I don't think that those two make them a real real contender or anything along those lines but uh, yeah, I've got them at 15. Yo, but here's my question about that. Like, wh- why are those guys on the trading block? Like, I like, feel like it, the two of them have been on the trading block for two two years they, at this point. Yeah, they have <laughs> been. But, like, I, I just don't get, like, like they're good players, right? Yeah. Like, I guess maybe if you're looking at them, like, we're trying to tank, like, Utah. But I don't feel like they've really been making those types of moves. So, and like, they might not necessarily hmm. need to. I mean, because yeah. you got you got Tyrese Halliburton, who's clearly next up. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, who knows if he's really, you know, that guy. But, I mean, he's he's going to be a very solid player for a really long time. So, you know, a combo of him, healed, Miles Turner, Ben, you know, uh, Ben Mathurin, you know, they've got some, they've got some solid pieces. Uh, Chris Duarte right. had, a, had a really solid season last year. Which is why I don't think they've done what Utah did or the Thunder did. Yeah, because, not like, to that they've level. actually got decent pieces. So, like, you have those decent pieces and could still very well get the first pick, right? Yeah, yeah. So, why, why would you trade? And, and that's why I don't think they've been traded, right? Like, I, they could have easily made a move uh, to trade those guys to the Lakers. Yeah. But but they didn't because I, I think they've got a little bit of a solid foundation. So, I you know, that's just yeah. my two cents on Indiana. No, I, I think you're right. And I think, honestly, my projection of them is more with the assumption that those guys will get moved more than anything else. I think that if they do stay through the end of the season, I think that they're frankly better than I think they're better than Orlando um, and they're probably better than uh, Detroit. Um, but for right now, just like with my expectation that they'll be gone before the end of the season, I think that that's where, they're at, that's where they will end up finishing. Um, 14, I've got Orlando, you know, a lot of really good pieces, but just very young. Um, not a lot of veteran presence um, on that roster. Um 13, I got Detroit uh, for all the reasons that we've talked about. You know, I have really high expectations for Cade Cunningham. Um, Jaden Ivey comes into a pretty solid role. Adding in Bogdanovich the other day I think will be really helpful for that offense as a whole. Again, having another kind of veteran presence to help those young guys develop. Um, I like Isaiah Stewart a lot as well. Um, at 12, I got Washington. And uh, 12, Washington is painful because I really like – Brad Beal, but he's, in my opinion, kind of signed his his death wish of you know re, of resigning with Washington. It gives me very similar vibes to uh, to Mello resigning with the Knicks. Kind of just that expectation, like I'm here to go get you know he got his what 240 mil whatever it was um but it was in the two it was it was in the two <laughs> range so like it, it it doesn't even matter at that point but like 
he knows he's not going to win there. I mean, they're, they're just not. They're just not going to get, you know, the level of, you know, free agents necessary to make them um, to make them really competitive. I think they got a couple of solid pieces around them. You know, Kuzma, um, they added uh, Monte Morris at, at the point guard spot this past year or this past offseason. Another kind of underrated move. I like Monte Morris a lot. Um, but again, I just don't think that that roster is like elite by any by any means where they're even going to be competing for you know they can maybe sneak in in that 10 spot for the play-in game but i don't really have super high expectations for them just to touch on bradley beal a little bit with that being said he did sign that big contract with the wizards and i do think that he's trying to stay there long term yeah right but nowadays you you can sign that contract and demand to trade a few years later so i don't know that he's because i look at him as like he's a real competitor i'm not saying Melo's not but um i i could see that maybe being the back of his head because that's just how the modern nba is right you're not wrong um yeah that's a good point uh rounding it out i got charlotte at 11 so in this case missing missing the play-in game um just you know kind of to your point about just the term identity i just feel like they don't have an identity like i just don't know how that roster like the roster is just constructed oddly to me like i feel like they have a lot of guys at that like small forward power forward position that have potential but like aren't getting enough minutes to really develop they're a little bit thin at that guard spot behind uh lamello and terry rogier um yeah, so I, I don't really have super high expectations for them, but um, they'll continue to be an exciting, competitive team. Um, Miles Bridges definitely took a pretty big step this past year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just don't foresee them making a jump into the playoff contention level. Um, they are, you know, in my in my preseason rankings, you know, falling right outside of that play-in game. But, you know, I think it's kind of a toss-up between them and, uh, and the Knicks, frankly. So I have the Knicks listed at 10. I think that they'll be, you know, definitely better with the addition of Jalen Brunson. Uh, you know, a little, you know, trio of Brunson, RJ Barrett, uh, Julius Randle, I think is a, you know, pretty solid, solid trio. You know, I don't think that they're a, uh, you know, real deep playoff contender by any means, but because uh, I think, frankly, just the rest of the roster is not that special. Um but I think that they'll be in contention for a play-in game spot. Um, don't foresee them going super far, though. Um, and then this is where it gets really tough. Um, I think at, like, that nine spot, because the top half of the Eastern Conference is just, like, really deep this year. So I've got um, I've got Atlanta at nine um, for kind of all the same reasons that we touched on with the – you know, I won't – speak on it for too long but again you know DeJounte Murray obviously is a big addition for them going forward but I just don't see the rest of that roster really elevating them to anything further than what they were last year which is again just play a play-in team um at eight I have Chicago and I feel not necessarily bad about this but like wait I have like a super random note about Atlanta I don't know why I thought of this just now but the DeJounte Murray Trey Young move it's not the same move here, but it reminded me of like, for some reason, the 
Tyreek Evans, Kevin Martin backcourt. Like on paper, you like that is a, that is a random throw, right? <laughs> on paper, like it, it seems like it could really work, but that one did not, right? And I was yeah. like, you got your guy that can shoot, and then you got your guy that can create and Play defend maker. and yeah. like, do what you know. They they kind of make up for each other's weaknesses, but yeah. that one for whatever reason, maybe it's because the Kings, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that move reminds me of I, not, I still think it's going to make them better I'm not saying it's like the same level of move yeah. but that just came to me out of nowhere hmm. random thought yeah but I can see that um, so yeah at the uh, at the eight spot I got Chicago and uh, again like I said the top of the Eastern Conference is just really dense so I feel like that's kind of, I think that they have better talent than what you would generally assume an eight in uh, uh someone finishing it at the eight spot would be but i think a lot of it is going to be relative to uh to lonzo lonzo ball um who looks at this point like he's not going to be playing for the beginning of the season um and we saw what happened with that team last year when he went out um you know in my opinion i think lonzo ball is one of the more underrated point guards in the nba right i mean he really developed his uh, his shot over the past couple of years. He was shooting at like 42% from three last year. You know, he really, really has come a long way um, from, uh, from that perspective. But I just don't foresee some combination of, you know, Caruso and, you know, Kobe White, you know, fulfilling exactly what's going to be needed in that, you know, uh, in, in that point guard spot. Um, you know, both of them are very good pieces, um, but I just don't think that they totally make up for what is lost um, by having Lonzo Ball at that at that point guard spot. Um, at seven, I've got Cleveland. Um Again, going to be you know very competitive with that addition of, of Donovan Mitchell, one of the better defenses in the NBA. Darius Garland took you know a really big step this past year. You know is definitely turning into one of the better kind of scoring point guards in the NBA. So I have high expectations for them. Um, but again, uh, probably if they were in the Western Conference, would probably be ranked a little bit higher. But I think the East East is just really really tough at the uh, at the top at the top level. Um, so at six, I've got Toronto. Um, again, really great defense, right? We, you already touched on it. They have a great identity um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, big fan of uh, Fred Van Vliet, um, uh, Pascal Siakam, um, Scotty Barnes definitely came into his own towards the latter half of, 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 of last year. So I think that they'll definitely be, you know, very competitive and, you know, especially on the de- defensive end of the floor, I think that'll elevate them quite a bit. Um, and then it pains me to put the Celtics at five, even after, mm. um, even after going to the finals last year, <clears throat> I just think that there's now I got a question for you about that. Go does, does the recent news, did that bump them down? No, honestly. Um, and I'm not just talking about Udoka. I'm also talking about Robert Williams. Uh, no, no, e- even, even with Robert Williams healthy, I would still probably put them at, at, at that five spot. Um, you know they made some solid moves um, this offseason with, with Brogdon and Gallo. I mean, Gallo's already out for the year with that ACL injury, um, but I have questions about their front court depth um, behind Robert Williams and and Al Horford, um, as well as uh, as just general health. Um, I think that you know whether or not Brogdon can get through a full season is really going to be. Uh, it's going to be massive for them. Um, 
because you know at this point Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown they can't carry that load by themselves on the offensive uh, offensive side of the ball. So um, yeah, I mean they have all the talent in the world. You've got a arguably top, you know whatever your personal kind of opinion is, you know, top five to 10 guy in Jason Tatum, probably a top 20, 25 guy in, in Jalen Brown, um, really good, you know, d- defensive player of the year in, in Marcus Smart. So they've got good solid pieces, but I just, the way that the season ended last year, uh, even with getting to the finals, it just left a bad taste in my mouth with, you know, they played with their food with Milwaukee, right? That shouldn't have been a seven-game series. Miami should not have been a seven-game series. They probably Both of those probably should have been done in five or six. Um, so I think that there's just a lot of questions on um, in terms of just their consistency and having enough scoring when necessary, knowing how to close out games. Um, so right now, I, I have them at the, four, at the five spot. Um, yeah, that's a lot lower than I was expecting you to have them and definitely a lot lower than consensus, although I don't know if this recent news has maybe bumped down people's projections, but I, I feel like we both were big Celtics fans, but we're also like big Celtics critics. Of course. And so I feel like we're both like lower on them than, I mean, a lot of previews got them one, you know what I mean? So it's funny because like I was worried about us being like Celtics biased but we're probably a little um, too critical, too critical on because we have like trust issues with them i don't know because like rip your heart out yo, every this game. team like it, when you're a fan of this team i'm not hating on them i love them like like with all my heart but They're over the years They're they've just they've just fucked with them like <laughs> Honestly, like they they do stuff that like makes you like one day you're like oh my god we got the best team in the league and then the next day you're like what the fuck are we doing yeah exactly (laughs) so we love them uh it just maybe we're just doing this to temper our own expectations yeah yeah and we're also just realists you know what i mean like we're not every (laughs) fan Uh, I think it's safe to say that every fan base has a segment that is uh, just out of touch and just like not based in reality. Um, Boston fans and probably more than others, though. <laughs> you know, so like there's a lots of people that we, you know, grew up with, went to high school with who just like have very inflated ideas about like what the Celtics are. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like if they make it to the you know Eastern Conference finals this upcoming year, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. But I also wouldn't be surprised by a second round exit because. Frankly, I think everybody's opinion would be a lot different of them if uh, if they didn't close out Milwaukee in, in that second round series, right? Um, but again, they should have ended that series in five. We were actually at we were actually at game I think it was game three up up in Milwaukee, um, and that was the one where uh, where Al Horford like he tipped it in, but like at, with like a like the clock had like literally just run out, whatever it was. Prime example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, being, you know, they had controlled the first two games of that series and then they, you know, go down by like 20 and have to make this ridiculous comeback in in that game three and, you know, should have stolen the game. But either way, they're just- (laughs) We were walking out super salty. Oh my God, it was brutal. (laughs) But the great part of that was that the, the, that fourth quarter was ridiculous because one, if you guys have never been to 
Milwaukee and Pfizer Forum, like unbelievable stadium. Like probably one of the best basketball stadiums that I've ever been to. They have a awesome fan base as a as an outside viewer. Um, they were rocking in that place on that Saturday, and uh, and you know we were we were getting real quiet in that third quarter, but then just like how the crowd shifted in that fourth quarter was just hilarious. You know, it was just so quiet, and it's literally we were literally in the last seats in in this stadium, <laughs> like right on the back row, and we are screaming our heads off like the entire fourth quarter, just going nuts, and just you know made that ridiculous comeback, and you know unfortunately it didn't didn't pan out the way that it needed to, but you know quintessential to exact your exact point of just like they can just rip your heart out you know on a on a night to night basis they are in an, an exhausting team to be a fan of sometimes um and then i'll move through this a little bit quicker with the last four uh so i've got miami at four really deep roster um they have you know, you know talking about identity they probably have the best identity in in the nba they know what they know what they're about um they play hard they're really well coached um and they'll always kind of be in that top five honestly for the for the foreseeable future in my opinion and then my three um top three i'm gonna round it out with the nets sixers and bucks um I have. I don't think that you could argue that there's a better trio in the NBA than a healthy Ben Simmons, KD, and and Kyrie Irving. Right. So it would not. You uh, coming off that JJ Redick Ben Simmons podcast, feeling good. <laughs> feeling good. I, so I, I I texted this dude yesterday, and I was like, I was like, you know, like you know, Ben Simmons, he doesn't really seem as much of an asshole as as, as like <laughs> as, as they normally then you know the media kind of paints him out to be. And then he's like, you know, well, like that's kind of the point of why he was on the podcast because you know they're trying to make his basically like his PR a little bit better, right? right. And just like, you know, how the you know, public receives him um, because he's, I mean, I can't think of another podcast or long interview that he's ever done. Like I've never sat there and like listened to him talk about it feels like anything, honestly, throughout the duration of his, of his uh, professional career at this point. So, but you know, it was a good interview and he seems like a pretty decent guy. Um, it seems like he's in a much better mental place. Even prior to that, I definitely think that the way that Philadelphia handled him last year and the year prior was not right. You know, Doc and Joel Embiid definitely threw him under the bus um, after the end of that uh, that Atlanta series. And I'm not going to say rightfully so. He did not play up to his expectations, and he admitted that on that podcast. But um, but overall, I think that this is now a great situation for him. He does not have to be that primary scorer. You're playing with probably two of the top five individual scores in the nba um so you know him in conjunction with KD and Kyrie, i don't even need to touch on them like you know they're great um i think that they're going to be really competitive i think their biggest question for that team as a whole is going to be on the defensive end um they have enough fire offensive firepower to play with anybody um but at this point i still have uh the sixers um being slightly better you know we talked about this previously you know, they've got just, you know, one of the deeper rosters in the NBA overall, top to bottom. Um, so I have pretty high expectations for them. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey is definitely just elevating his his game every single year. Um, so I think that they'll be in that, you know, Eastern Conference Finals uh, conversation. And then number one, I got the Bucks, And I think that they're going to be the team that's going to be representing the, the East um, in the finals. You know, in my opinion, Giannis is number one in the league. Um Currently, I just think he's he's at that shack, just unstoppable physical force level. Um, and I think that they probably would have made a deeper run last year if Chris Middleton was healthy. You know, Chris Middleton doesn't get enough credit for just overall just how talented he is one. Um, 
and uh, I think that he'll just be really you know important along with adding Joe Ingles. They re-signed Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, always very solid. Yo, I don't know why this whole summer I thought Bobby Portis went to the Warriors. I think they I think they offered him a contract. Did they? I think they might yeah. have. But like, bro, like I, no I, I bullshit. Thought, like <laughs> until like a few weeks ago, I was like, yo, they kept Bobby Ford. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the whole mindset that damn the Warriors made some plays this summer. Like I was thinking he was on the Warriors, but yeah. he's on the Bucks. He's, he's back on the Bucks. Um and yeah, I mean that's just like a, they're they're just a good team. They're defensive minded, they've got good shooting. Um yeah, so I I think that they're they're coming out of the Eastern Conference this year. No, it's good to see. That I'm really happy that we did this separately because we do. We actually have a lot of differences. I was worried that we were going to be too similar because I'm not just trying to come on this podcast and agree with your ass. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to have some heated debates and uh, I agree. I agree. you know go at each other's necks and compete over predictions for the season. Yeah. Um. You know that's what this is about. We will be and, we will be referencing uh, this in a couple months. You know we're just <laughs> we're just getting warmed up over here so you know our time will come um anyway so i've got um you know i agree with you about pacers i got last um but i'm gonna run through my entire order and then kind of touch on maybe some of the differences that i heard that you were talking about so i've got pacers hornets who i've got Mm. real low which i'll touch on in a second i've got pistons 13 knicks 12 wizards 11 magic 10 hawks 9 bulls 8 which i think we both had raptors 7 i've got nets 6 which i am i which i i that's the one that i'm like damn i'm gonna be kicking myself for that one but i still got them there uh Cavs five celtics four heat three bucks two 76ers one um where did you have where did you have toronto i had toronto seven okay um and uh, sorry i'm asking you to like (laughs) can you rerun the last one uh your top five rerun my my top five five is sixers bucks heat celtics Cavs. okay so um i think one of our biggest differences and i'll i'll go from the the bottom up uh the hornets i'm i'm down on uh a lot because i just think that losing miles bridges was a huge loss like i don't trust gordon hayward's health and so like think about that team last year without miles bridges i just don't think that they've wait, got they, it like that they, they didn't make wait, hold any... up. they don't they don't have miles bridges no he uh, he's like going to court Did... bro I mean, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I know about that situation, but right. I didn't. But like, did the Hornets come out and say that he's like suspended for the no, year? No, I mean, like, there's still no determination on that. Like, he's still on their cap sheet, but bro, he's not about to play this year. You don't, th- you think he's gonna play this year? I'm, I, I'm not dis, I'm, I'm not disputing whether he. Um, you know whether he should be in trouble or not. Right. You know, you know, like, I mean, but like, you're right. Though. There hasn't been like, like, like he's I get to spend it for the year. Like that, we that, keep that, that's my point. Right? That's my point. So it's just like until 
I, I'm not even trying to cut your time, but but basically, like I'm not I'm not counting his talent out of my prediction until right. I get like a solid yes, he's done for the year. That's fair. Type of, type of, uh, so I counted him out, and that's fair. without that's fair him, enough. I'm because like, Bleh. yeah, oh yeah, no, with, without him, they're 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 rough. I will say they've got a few guys like on the end of that bench that could like step in and maybe do some things. Like I I love. James Booknight, I, mm. uh, the, the kid Kai Jones, I think Scott. Kai Jones, man. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> um, he's got something. So, but I'm down on them. I didn't, uh, you know, when you've got an assistant coach that's gotten an opportunity to take the head coaching job and then he he just dips and, and yeah. you know, that Kenny Atkinson did, yep. um, it just tells me there's some red flags there. So Fact. that's kind of why I based that. You know, uh, I had the Pistons 13, Knicks outside, I, you know, that, that's one of those ones I feel like I uh, maybe am being a little too harsh on the Knicks, but the stat that stands out to me about them and why I don't have them in the play-in is that they've only got three players on that roster with over four years of experience. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like really they just young. they're really young and um they just don't have the vets and like you need the vets in this league to win. I I love Love the Jalen Brunson move. I I don't think that he got overpaid. We were we were actually at a we were weren't we at a Bulls Mavs game this year together? Yeah, we were. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, you know I was talking about Jalen Brunson the whole game, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. yo, this dude's nice. Oh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think he'll he'll do well for them. 100%. But so I was a little more down on them than because you had them in the play. Right? I had them at like ten. Yeah, ten. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, a, a Wizards eleven, which I think we had pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I and then I had Magic 10 because I just – They got pieces. I like the construction of this roster. And, pieces. like, low-key, they got some depth, too. Like, yeah, they do. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the starting lineup is. I, I saw a projection that it could be Fultz, Cole Anthony, Franz Wagner, Paolo, and Wendell, uh, Carter. Wendell Carter. Yeah. But, like, yo, we forgot about Jonathan Isaac – Right, we've uh, we've already forgotten about Jalen Suggs, who was literally just drafted last year. Nobody people, talks people, about people him. were talking about him like <laughs> Yo, nobody, it's the next D Rose. Nobody like, talks nah. about him. I mean, I I wasn't like super high on him. Yeah. Uh, go, going into college, and then he actually like performed better than I thought he was in mm-hmm. college, and then now after last year, I mean, maybe a little Gonzaga inflation, but you know. yeah. But could be that, but, but he's solid. He's a solid piece. And then you know they got they re-signed Mo Bamba, which I was like that that was an underrated move because I feel like he's got potential to be a starting five in this league. Yeah, right. He's he's just got to get himself over that like sixty games in a season hump. You know what I mean? He's just spent a lot of his time in the NBA hurt. Right. And then they also got Gary Harris. Like the you know they've got hmm. pieces. And I just, did he get hurt? Is is he hurt? Is he not going to play? I I think he just got hurt recently. Oh, did he? I could be wrong. Let me look. Okay, but keep going. Yeah, depending on that. I, either way, I still feel like they're they're in the plan. One because I love Markel Fultz, mm. and I I just think if they're healthy, they've got a chance. Um, and then some of our other differences. Yeah, and then and then the top, I've got. Uh, we were. Where did you have the Raptors? I had the Raptors at uh, six. Six. Yeah. I mean, I have them seven. So yep. pretty similar. Hawks, Bulls, Raptors, that's kind of like another tier. Mm-hmm. And uh, teams that we all kind of like and think they have a chance to maybe be up in that top tier, 
uh, if everything goes right. But, you know, we're just that's more dependent on if some of the top six teams fall off, I think, more so than what they have. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the biggest difference is like the Nets. And uh, I have them six because, you know, it's just hard to trust the organization. It's not so much the pieces for me. Uh, I, I, I understand what it's like to uh, work for an organization that is, you know, got a lot of moving parts and a lot of drama. And I just think like that's not good. However, if there's one team that I feel like I'm kick, I'm going to kick myself for at, at the end of the year, it's that team. Well, cause and, I mean, they're, the potential's through the roof. Yeah, but, but, the but roof. to your point, it's been a tumultuous couple of years. Yeah. I mean, you know. Kyrie played half the season last year, right. and uh, you know KD has had his injury issues. Ben Simmons hasn't played in about eighteen months, so right. you know. And I think the thing that you know maybe I'm not accounting for is I think that they've got a move that they're going to make during the season because do do you really need Joe Harris, Seth Curry, and Patty Mills? Right. So like if, if they make like a, even a little move to kind of beef up that front court a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Um, I think that they have a chance to do some things. Yeah. Um, but yeah to and, your point, Nick, Nick Claxton can't do that by himself. Yeah. In, in, that, in that front court. They need we'll to. see. Yeah, no, I, he, I he's mean, good. He's I good. But I think good. they need someone else. He's still young. I think he's got a chance. He could he could be that guy. But uh, it, t- he hasn't been that guy. So yeah. we'll, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even disputing him. I'm just right. more so just in, in terms of overall front court depth. Right. Yeah. And then I'm a little higher on the Cavs than you because mm-hmm. not so much because of well, the Mitchell move, but I, I think that they've really got some depth. Absolutely. They, uh, Karis LeVert as your sixth man, that's a like – potential six man of the year candidate type Easy. of player they still got k love who, who he was solid last yeah year. who was he was solid good last year and then uh they re they got Ru- rubio back who was great for them last year yeah he was and a very underrated move was i thought robin lopez like people forgot about robin lopez because he just didn't play in orlando last year because i yeah i don't know he was either hurt or they were just tanking or what but yeah. robin lopez is still a good player yeah. and i solid up I, I don't think i've heard anybody talk about that move and then you know you know i got celtics four my thinking behind the celtics was that i just um worry about their depth because gallo being out you know we're, we're gonna have to play a lot of those guys a lot of minutes mm. and i i think they saw what happened last year when you do that during the regular season so they may have to load manage the the jays a little more and i just think obviously with robert williams being out eight to twelve weeks and uh you know is al horford gonna still be showering in the fountain of youth every day <laughs> like i mean at some point this dude's got to show some sort of like uh, old, you know falling off but yeah. so i just have questions and more so than like my lack of belief i loved how they looked last year i love the defense especially Still believe in them, but I've got them four. And then the Heat three, I'm probably higher on because I had four. You, you know, yeah, it's it's about neck and neck. But yeah. the organization, I believe, I yes, just, you know, know, and they're the same team as last year. They it's won the East. Team. See, like so, uh, they re-signed Oladipo. They re-signed Caleb Martin. That's the other thing is like people like maybe are a little down on them because they didn't re-sign PJ Tucker. Like, how you know Caleb Martin? That's not about they've to got step into that role, yeah. right? They've got people. They always do that. 
that in every year, yeah. you know. Um, so I'm high on the heat. And then I've got Sixers one, uh, kind of just to piggyback off of what I was talking about. They've got depth, man. Yeah, and I do. think when you got that and, and, and then I also just think people are just throwing James Harden in the trash. And I don't think he's there yet. Like he's, uh, he's still a good player and you got to, uh, I would have fits guarding that backcourt. Oh yeah, like I love that backcourt, and then I just think Joel Embiid's gonna be uh, tr- trying to get vengeance for not getting MVP last oh, yeah, year. Oh right? yeah, he's gonna be on a, on a mission this year. So, I think to your point about um, James Harden, like <clears throat> I think people just have this expectation that he was always supposed to maintain that like 2016, 2017 level of play, and it's like he clearly has lost a step with age, which just comes with the territory. He's not as athletic. He's not getting to the rim um, as consistently, but he's uh, he's always been an elite passer and an elite playmaker, and he's like just moving into a more consistent traditional point guard role. He's still a good spot-up shooter, um, and he's always willing to get everyone else involved, and you know, now that you have a more deep deep overall roster Tyrese Maxey is taking that next step you know Joel Embiid you know probably in my opinion 1A and 1B with him and uh, Jokic in terms of top centers in the league like you know he's not you know you don't need him to go put up 27 to 30 a night you know you only need 17 to you know 17 to 20 points he's going to get you 10 assists and uh and manage that game so i think that he's still you know not maybe not as valuable as he was a couple years ago but i don't think you can argue that he's not still one of the best you know playmaking guards in the league right and then the only thing that gave me hesitation about putting them one over milwaukee because like i feel like that's kind of a little bit of a bold move because milwaukee's just a powerhouse in the league right now are they going to be able to make enough threes and are they going to be solid enough defensively? Because PJ Tucker, I mean, PJ Tucker, I mean, he very well could fall off. We don't know, uh, you know, how he's going to age. And um, I just think James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, probably kind of like the Cavs we're talking about, not the best defensive backcourt. Mm-hmm. And when you have that in this league right now, sometimes that can be tough. But yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, is there anything else that you think we should touch on in the Eastern Conference before we go? Uh, well, yeah, let's do our um, let's do kind of our preseason award picks. So we'll do uh, let's do MVP, Rookie of the Year, and uh, Most Improved. So why don't you go for it? Yep. So MVP, I've got Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I just said, I think he's going to go on a tear this year. He's going to be healthier. He was messed up at the end of last year. I think they probably would have gone further if he hadn't had such bad injury luck. Um, and then in terms of rookie of the year, I mean, we, we touched on it. Paolo Bancaro yeah. uh, in the East. I think, I think to me, I think he's rookie of the year overall. Yep. Uh, I probably would have said that. Either way. And then most improved player predictions. Um, Man, that's a good one. You know what? I think I'm going to need you to come back to me on that one because I actually did not write that one down. (laughs) Amateur hour. (laughs) That one was actually tough. I I literally actually went and looked at – so I guess I'll I'll just jump in. I'll go in reverse chronological order to what you just did. But um, for most improved, I actually went and looked at the the Vegas odds for him. And, like, the top – 
top two are Anthony Edwards and um, and Tyrese Halliburton. Mm. And uh, I I think it's going to be Tyrese Halliburton because his opportunity is just going to be through the roof, right? I mean, he's he's getting the keys to that franchise. Um, Anthony Edwards is like in the same kind of. Uh, you know, face of the franchise type of category, but he's just dealing with more, more stars around him, right? You've got Cat, um, you know, Cat on that roster. You know, D'Angelo Russell isn't a guy who's taking you know a million shots, but um, I just think that you know Anthony Edwards is uh, you know in a, I'm not going to say he's in a better overall team position, but a worse position in terms of growing on a year-over-year basis just because he's surrounded by a lot of other really good players. So I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to have an opportunity to, you know, really elevate his game, get himself into that, you know, 22 to 25 points per game type of, you know, scoring per night type of range. So I think that Tyrese um, comes in at my most improved rookie of the year. I'm agreeing with you with Paolo for, you know, all the reasons that we've touched on previously. And for MVP, I'm going with, with Luca. Um, Wait, were you saying for like the league overall? What do you mean? Oh, because I was just choosing this for the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> which there, I which is some dumbass shit because there is no Eastern Conference MVP. That, in so, so like, so like as, we, as you asked me that question, I'm like, I'm like, but wait, there's only one MVP. <laughs> <laughs> but like some, but, as we said earlier, we're uh, still trying to figure out the podcast. First, but, first time, either way. yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I've I've got I've got Luca in in the MVP this year. I think uh, unfortunately, you know, kind of alluding to uh, to jo- to Joel not getting it last year, right? So much of the MVP discussion is about narrative, and like Luca has NBA media by the balls. You know, so Facts. you know what I mean. So Facts. like, so if he, I mean, and Luke is amazing. Like he's, in my opinion, probably a top seven player in the NBA right now. Um, he looked amazing at EuroBasket this this past summer. Um, clearly, has you know dropped a couple LBs. Looks in better shape. Um, and, and he's just got the team for a guy that's going to win MVP. You know, I mean, that's the unfortunate. I, and I hate the MVP like talk over the season it's what makes the nba so popular but i hate it like with all my heart because it's just a stupid conversation because like it shouldn't like your team that you play on shouldn't have anything to do with it but it has to because your situation if you're if you're luca and you're carrying dallas to even like the sixth seed Mm -hmm. right like you you just have an advantage over somebody like joel Embiid, who people he probably once james harden joined the team lost the case Mm -hmm. right yeah exactly so I, I think that that hits the nail on the head. So yeah, I got Luca as my uh, my MVP. Most improved player for me. Um, I guess I was literally just a second ago thinking of it in terms of the Eastern Conference <laughs> most improved player, but I'm gonna pick him anyways. Yeah. Uh, I got Rui Hachimura because Rui I think Hachimura. He's, yeah, I think he's <laughs> like a forgotten man, man. Like he people is. were. People were talking about him like he's like the next Siakam Giannis type of player yeah, yeah, yeah. in that mold. And I think he was hurt last year, so he didn't he get to play a lot. Yeah. It's it's another situation where he's going to get a lot of offensive 
attention taken off him with them getting Porzingis now. Mm. Uh, Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma, who had a pretty good year last year. Yeah, did. So I think he's got a shot to really be that guy. And mm. to- and if he is that guy, then, you know, Washington might actually be all right, right? Um, a couple pieces. I feel like I feel like you may have like forgotten about him. Like he, uh, I, 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 that was the last person that, I was that, that, that has, Like I had forgotten about him too until yeah. like I just looked at him in my notes and I was like, yo, wait, I, when's the last time somebody talked about him? Right, <laughs> two years before he got drafted. <laughs> so no, he's solid, man. He's no, that's solid. my pick. You know, I didn't really look at the Western Conference guys, <laughs> but uh, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Rui Hachimura for. Uh, most improved player. Nice. Well, I think that's about it, man. First, yeah. first episode in the books. Hey, if it, you have made it this far, I just want to say I love you. Um, but I also want to say, please, would love any feedback that you've got. You know, obviously we know we're rusty. We haven't done this in 12 years, right? So, <laughs> like, like uh, you know, I, I'm honestly impressed with what we've done. Like, okay. like the fact, like how fast we set up this podcast and like we're able to record. Now, I'm saying this like knocking on would like hoping nothing went like terribly wrong that i don't realize um but i you know we want your feedback because that's only going to make us better and we we're serving you because we want this podcast to be something that's in your regular rotation and uh please just let us know whether it's in the comments whether it's on social media by the way if you want to follow us on social media we're on TikTok, Instagram, um, YouTube at pulling up from 40, one word, 40 spelled out instead of the numbers. We'll, we'll throw the, uh, throw, throw all the links in the, uh, in, in the descriptions. So, right. um, but yeah, to Lucas's point, really appreciate, you know, for all of you guys who are, you know, have, who have tuned in this far, um, any feedback is greatly appreciated and, uh, we'll see you guys for the next one.